0: Good morning. Did you know that the most important thing about you is that God loves you? He loved you to the cross and back. And part of His great love is that He gives you a life that matters. You never have to wonder, do I matter? Do I count? You are number one in God's book. And He gives you opportunities every day to live a life beyond yourself. i like to call it a legacy life. This is Sue Donaldson. As you listen today, ask God, show me how to spend today investing in people and your word, because both last forever. There's no better way to live. Good morning. Today is part two is, is your cup of joy full and how can you keep it full? Last time we ended with uh, talking about grief which is always good to talk about because we don't talk about it enough and yet we grieve a lot. I feel always quite sad when my kids have been visiting and then they leave. I think there's something about life, about the comings and goings that bring up a lot of emotion and it's like we're embarrassed to tell somebody, Um, we get the mascara on our sheets as we mentioned last time, and we might feel very alone in our grief which makes it worse. But Jesus knows grief. He was called a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. I love that. You're acquainted. Are you acquainted with grief? Maybe that's how I should have started this. Are you acquainted with grief? I imagine you have been at some time, or maybe you're in the thick of it right now. Jesus knows grief, and He invites you and I to come to Him and lay our heads upon His breast and find our rest in Him. Uh, that's a quote from an old classic. Uh, Come Away, My Beloved, by Francis Roberts, who's with Jesus now. We keep our cups full by responding to an invitation. And the invitation comes over and over again in Scripture. Maybe you can think of some come unto me verses. Uh, One of my favorites is Hebrews 4.16, Let us come boldly. So we don't have to come mamby-pamby. We come boldly to the throne of grace. Why? so that we will obtain mercy. And that's what we need. We need mercy. We need someone not to say, hey, get over it. Suck it up, buttercup. We need someone to uh, sympathize and empathize with us and find grace to help in time of need. I've had that verse on my mirror, and under it I would I wrote because it just sounded so, well, not that I want to add to Scripture, but I wrote, and that time of need is all the time. One time, one night, years ago, uh, this is long before... Um, I think it was long before I met Mark. Maybe, can't remember. Um, But I got a phone call from an old boyfriend, not Mark. And he called to tell me that he had just gotten engaged. And he wanted to make sure I found out first from him, which I think he was trying to be kind and considerate. And at that point, I didn't really want to to be married to him. It It had been like nine or 10 months But there was no one else on the horizon. Maybe you're in that situation where there is no one else on the horizon. And this had happened to me more than once. I felt I was the perpetual preparer of men who need to get married and will, but not to me. And I grieved that night. I wept my way through the Psalms. I wept my way through the Psalms. J. Sidlow Baxter, again, another saint uh, with Jesus, he said in uh, chapel once that the Psalms are in the heart of the Bible for the heart of man. Isn't that so great? So I had been weeping my way through the Psalms the night before. And I told my boss the next morning, I was working with Wycliffe Bible Translators and my boss, uh, Jim called, a very godly man. I felt I could tell him anything and I did. And I told him uh, what had happened the night before on the phone. And then I proceeded to say, I feel betrayed by God. And of course, in my mind, I knew that wasn't a true fact, because I know God would not betray, but I felt that way. And of course, people in the Psalms felt a lot of ways. And so I felt like I was in good company. And Jim said to me, did you tell God that? And I said, of course I did. And I went on to say, I have to speak four times in the next three days. I was about ready to leave for Papua New Guinea for some field training, and I needed to raise some more money, and I was speaking all over Southern California, and it was going to be a stretch anyway, but a particularly a bad stretch because it felt terrible, emotionally depleted. And this is how he responded. He said, Sue, I'm so excited about your life. What? What? Did, had he not heard what I just said? Do I have to start all over, Jim? But all I could do was croak. Why? He said, because only God is going to get you through these next few days. And that will be exciting to see. He was right. He was so right. When we grieve, when we feel we can't go on, we come to to this point. We come to that opportunity. It really is an opportunity to see what God can do, to see how he will show up on our behalf to let us know he's got everything in control. At the time I'm recording this, my oldest just got laid off, along with 50% of the company that she worked for. But I am praying that she will see how God is going to get her through this situation. And perhaps I'll have some great news in the show notes to tell you. Remind me if I don't mention it. Jim was right. We We keep our cups full of joy... When we think of our future and we realize that he's got everything under control no matter what happens, Isaiah states that we will have a crown. We will have a crown. See, that's a future thing. We will have a crown of beauty for ashes. To believe that truth is the outlook or the perspective of a mature believer who is in grief. Mature believers don't get a pass on grief. Now, I got through those next few days and weeks and months. And I went off to Papua New Guinea for further missionary training. And several months later, it had been raining for 22 days straight. We were hiking back to our village after a day of festivities at another village. And the river had overflowed, as you might think it would. And we finally found a place where we could cross back over on top of trees that had fallen down. And our trusty guides, the Papua New Guineans went first to see if it were safe. They had found this makeshift bridge and they would walk, they walked across it first to make sure we were okay. And it was still pouring. And then it was my turn. And I slipped down into the rushing river. They were holding on to our uh, hands and arms. Uh, and we, I got back up onto the branches. If you can imagine, I was in a skirt because you couldn't wear pants uh, in their culture. And we walked quickly across to safety. Uh, How I looked and felt uh, was not high on my priority list that evening. And it wasn't until the next day after feeding spaghetti to our brave rescuers, we invited them over for a celebration lunch, that it dawned on me that my former boyfriend had gotten married the previous day in California, and I hadn't given it a moment's thought. I was just glad to be alive. God was in control of even the day he got married, so I wouldn't think about it and brood. I was just rejoicing to be alive. God is so good. You know, we do not measure our maturity by how happy we are. Nope. Rather, rather, it's by how quickly, I think, how quickly we come to God in our sorrow and rest all of our hope in Him, because this life is not all there is. Let me say that again. We do not measure our Christian maturity by how happy we are. You're not less of a Christian if you're feeling sad today. Rather, it's by how quickly we come to God in our sorrow and rest all our hope on on Him, because this life is not all there is. Things are out of our control. Circumstances do cause us grief and pain, Tragedy does strike the good people as well as the bad. We see that all through scripture. What can we do with our sorrow to get our cups full of joy? We hope, as Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians 4.13, do not grieve like the men who have no hope. We can think that as a good Christian, we should not be grieving as if being sad is unchristlike. Give me a break. Life is hard. We'd be foolish not to embrace that fact. And the best way to get through grief is to grieve. But we grieve differently because we belong to God. How does a follower of Christ grieve differently? We are to come to him with our grief. We are to hold on tight as we grieve. Grieve, and we are to look for God's beauty and purpose amidst the ashes of pain. I want to add something here that you may relate to. I hate to see my kids suffer. I like to run around and manipulate all their circumstances when they were younger, especially, and their friends. Hey, don't beat up on my kid. Don't bully my kid. And their teachers. Hey, be gracious when they ask a question just so that that my kids don't suffer pain. But God has something better in mind. He wants them to know him through their pain. And that is far more beautiful and helpful than anything that I can maneuver. They need to learn to know God personally. They need to learn for themselves that God's joy underlies their grief. And the best way for them to learn it is for their mother to get out of the way of the Holy Spirit. Of course, the Holy Spirit still might need my help with my husband. Just kidding. Now, where does joy come from? John 15:11 reads this way. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete." What was the this Jesus was referring to? I have told you this, so that my joy may be in you, and so that your joy may be complete. So what was he talking about? He was talking about abiding. Abiding means to commune and to depend. My mother always talked to herself, maybe it was just so she could commune and depend on God over the noise and worries of her five kids. At one of my bridal showers, mom gave me a bucket and scrub brushes with a note that said, I spent many hours on my knees while scrubbing our kitchen floor and prayed for all five of you kids while doing so. Now I have yet to scrub my floor on my hands and knees, but you get the idea. She was busy communing and depending on her savior and we can do the same. And when we do, our cups are full. My friend Susan said her grandmother would say to her, when you wake up in the morning, you start praying and you never say amen. I love that. No one had a busier schedule than Jesus besides the load of the world on his shoulders. Yet he knew the urgency of stealing away by himself to strengthen his abiding with his father. And he also took naps. So he is the ultimate example for any person. On one Thanksgiving morning, I picked up a devotional by Joyce Meyer and read these words. God's attention is on us, but we must keep our attention on him to invite God to be involved in everything we do, and then remember to praise him for his goodness. That's three things we do. We focus our attention on him. We invite him in all we do, and we praise him for his goodness. As I read that, I realized that in a matter of hours, 22 people would be wanting dinner. So even though it was a very, very busy day for me, I spent a few moments inviting God into my kitchen. And not only into my kitchen, but on the path up Madonna Mountain, where we take our traditional Thanksgiving Day hike, and into the front room where all our kids would be eating and playing games, and wherever else I might end up that day. I made a list and I started inviting the God of the universe into each corner of my day. Now, would the Lord be present in all those places if I hadn't asked him to be? Well, yes, he would have been, because it's part of his nature to be omnipresent everywhere at the same time. But the point is this. I invited him in so I could commune and depend on him throughout every moment and unexpected development. I just wanted to be with him, and I wanted his help. And I have to say that it was the best turkey I have ever roasted, and the stuffing was perfect. I have trouble with stepping, with a little help from the fabulous Pampered Chef roasting pan and the poultry seasoning from Spice Hunters, which at that time was 30% off at World Market. The this in John fifteen eleven not only refers to abiding, but also to obeying and obeying this main thing. Verse 12, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Now we've probably heard more sermons on love than any other subject, wouldn't you say? We don't need more information on love as much as we just need God's grace to help us love as he loves. And his promise in this passage is this, when we obey him and love as he loves, laying down our very lives for another, because that's what he did for you and me, our joy will be full. Now that sounds simple. It's simple to say, but it is not easy. And you know that, and that is a big formula for joy. It takes all of God's power in me some days to help me love someone when I don't feel like loving them. One morning I was feeling no joy. I was angry at Mark over something having to do with the remodel. I felt I was right and he was wrong. But I was also studying this passage on joy coming from obedience, coming from loving one another. Mind you, I still felt I was right and he was wrong. But I prayed for the infilling of the Holy Spirit and put on a pair of gloves and went outside and started loading old drywall and scrap lumber into the truck alongside of the man I married, who was still also wrong about whatever it was. I can't remember, of course. And after several wheelbarrow loads, I got inside the truck and went to the dump with him. He was probably wondering what hit me. But Mark's love language is service and working alongside was a way to show love in a way he could understand And actually enjoy. Jesus said this, I tell you this, that your joy may be full. John 15. And the this is to abide and to obey. And we obey best by loving most. Who do you have in your life right now who is hard to love? You don't need to write me that answer, but do think about it. Maybe he or she is in your life just to show you that you cannot obey God without abiding in God. Love God, love your neighbor. It's not complicated. You've heard me say that before, especially if you've heard me speak. We do make it complicated. I make it complicated. So I wrote 31 very short prayers, one for each day of the month for 31 days, to help me love God and love my neighbor better. If you'd like a very short prayer sent in your inbox for 31 days, you can sign up at welcomeheart.com or send me an email. I'm happy to send those to you one day at a time. They are all about loving God and loving our neighbor. And there is so much joy in both. Have a wonderful day. Until next time, think about your legacy, the one God has called you to live, all for heaven's sake. I would love to speak at your next Christian Women's Event. See my keynotes and retreat series, as well as the show notes from today's broadcast at welcomeheart.com. Thanks for coming. You're always welcome here.